Okay, I have uh, the three of something. Oh, that'd be like ones probably. Ones. All right, so we're going to browse cards. Yep, that one? Correct. Yeah, okay, cool. You are three of wands. Now, three of wands. the episode will start officially when you read this into the microphone. That'll be the kind of intro bit. Cool. Everything so the, else is garb. I'm cutting it out. The, <laughs> the three of wands, launching long-term plans, foresight, and things set in motion. When this card appears, a decision has been made and you are taking your first optimistic steps towards your goals. You have set things in motion and there is no turning back now. You know what you need to do and you have the confidence to do it. You have the ability to lead and a vision that can inspire. Forgiveness of others or yourself may be required in order to let go of the past. With the bright future ahead of you, it is an ideal time to let go of past hurts. This card may indicate foreign travel. Coming together with others and negotiating or trading could also be implied. The Three of Wands suggests equality and cooperation in such endeavors. Ultimately, when this card appears, growth is certain. Ooh. Interesting. So tell me about what parts of that stood out to you specifically. Um, what parts of that stood out to me specifically? Um, probably forgiveness of others and yourself um, and letting go of the past in order to, I guess, move forward. Um, I read something the other day that was really cool. Don't trip over what's behind you. And that really resonated with me because I feel like where I am presently without delving too deep too quick in my own mental health I feel like I am holding on to things from the past and holding on to situations and using them to try and figure out what to do in the present situation instead of keeping the present as the present and leaving the past as the past instead I'm trying to learn from the past but it didn't work so why am I trying to learn from something that didn't work so this growth card I guess is fucking cool because it it lets me know i guess that's the yeah. that's the reason why i think tarot was really cool as well because there's some sort of um someone's telling you that you're on the right track there's some uh comfort in knowing that something whatever it may be whether it's a card or some higher power whatever is telling you that you're doing the right thing mm. i think that's really cool i think that's that's my whole kind of thing with this show is that i don't ever want to stress too much about how much higher power is in the cards but just mm-hmm. the fact that it can bring up these yeah. kind of thoughts to be like oh yeah cool yeah. even if it is just a card saying that it's yeah. it's not that it's bad advice no no you know? and it's never going to be negative advice even if you get the death card they're not going to tell you that you're going to die they're just going to tell you that something may end and something new may begin yeah lovely yeah. isn't yeah. that great so right. lovely Welcome to episode five of Fuck You Tarot Lady. My guest this week is Amy Rose Fraser. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for having me. It's very exciting. Now, we're going to do that thing. We just talked about it off air before we start. Mm -hmm. I think the thing that most people do when they're at a party, they're like, what do you do? And that's Mm -hmm. hard. That's a hard question because a lot of people are like, oh, fuck, I got to talk about my job. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of people, their job may not be the thing that defines them or it may not be the thing that they want to talk about. But I'm going to pick your brain first about this first and foremost because... I picked, I, I had you on, well, maybe a little bit of background for listeners might be interesting. We, I think I, I would say we're friends, mm-hmm. but we've I only ever met so. one time. <laughs> <laughs> Eight months ago. <laughs> Eight months ago, we met on New Year's Eve and then New Year's Day, we did a hike. We had a lovely chat. And then I was like, oh, if I ever do that podcast I've been talking about for Yonks, I'm going to have you on. Here we are. Here we are. But I think the main thing that I think 
we didn't really even talk about your job there. No. But I think it'll be a great starting off point for sure. us to do this. We've yeah. mainly just been friends via Instagram since Absolutely. then. Absolutely. You've yep. got a fantastic sense of humor when it comes to the memes. Thank you. Thank which you. I'm all about. 2019 memes. It's different. It's different to how it used to be, but <laughs> it's real. It's, <laughs> it's a real humor. It is. I'm definitely... I feel good when I see memes that I'm just like, oh, I don't understand that yet. Like, I need yeah. to understand more. <laughs> yeah. Like, I need to unpack. I need Absolutely. to, like... <laughs> you need to delve real deep into those memes. And sometimes you have to accept the fact that you're never going to understand it. Yeah. It's okay. That's totally fine. <laughs> in that whole concept of surreal memes. Now, look, I think at this point, we're minutes in and people are like, just tell me what the fuck she does for a job. What does she do? Tell us, Amy Rose, what do you do for a job? It's I work cool. for Zoos Victoria. I work in the research sector doing animal welfare research on the animals that we have within the zoo. So give us a day-to-day of what that sounds like because people would be like, well, does that mean you get to play with animals? Yeah, no, I don't get to play with animals, unfortunately. <laughs> I, go, I go into my office every day. So I'm in an office. I'm not necessarily in zoo grounds. Mm-hmm. Um, I will figure out which animals I need to watch that day, um, watch them for like, basically collect behavioral data. So I make sure that they're behaving the way that they should be behaving. And what's that based on? Is that based on like, is there a wiki for animal behavior? That I, you can wish like- there was, I wish it was that easy, but no, it's a lot of like Googling of literature and Google Scholar and typing in real fancy words for some behaviors and trying to understand that a behavior for one animal is very different for a behavior from another. So species specific research is really important. Individual research is really important. So understanding that one snow leopard might act different from another snow leopard and just getting to know the individual figuring out that that animal is behaving the way that it is supposed to based on the individual and the personality of it wow yeah it's cool do you actually work with snow leopards every day not every day i have worked (laughs) with snow leopards every day in the past it was my first gig at the zoo was working with snow leopards and it was fucking incredible. Wow. I now, just watch snow leopards all day. Really? Yeah. And so you're just watching them through, like, on your screen, like on cameras? Yeah, on cameras. So, which was great because there was no observer bias. So the animal didn't behave a certain way based on the fact that there was someone there. It was doing its own thing overnight. It was 24-hour monitoring, which is amazing because snow leopards are active when visitors aren't there. Um, so, yeah, getting to watch an entire day of a snow leopard is wonderful. Okay. I'm already derailed by what I was mm-hmm. going to talk about because I just want to know about snow leopards now. <laughs> so sick animals. What does a snow leopard do in a 24-hour cycle? Give us that rundown. Like, what do they... Because you know when you go to a zoo and all the animals are fucking asleep yeah. and then all the people complain like, the animals yeah. are asleep. Yeah. It's meant to be asleep. But that's a good thing. If a snow leopard's asleep in the middle of the day, fucking great. It's happy. Yeah. It's content. It's shutting its eyes. We all know that when cats shut their eyes, it means they're vulnerable and they don't want to shut their eyes. Mm-hmm. If the cat at the zoo is shutting its eyes, awesome. It's a good thing. It's a sign of... You need to tell that intent. to 12-year-old Jimmy when he's like <laughs> yeah. sad. when the... Bashing on the glass. Wake the fuck up. <laughs> Terrible. So that means... So they're comfortable. They sleep during the day. What are mm-hmm. they doing at night time? What are they doing when people... Like after zoo hours? Like jumping around. Really? And like genuine parkour. These animals will jump from rock to rock. Not even chasing anything. Just for their own entertainment. Like chasing their own tails. There was one time where I saw one of the snow leopards like bounce leaping meters into the air and i called my boss over and was like is this okay like is this animal behaving in a certain way we contacted vets we were like does this animal have toxo is everything going to be fine turns out he was just being a great snow leopard and he was really happy in his new environment (laughs) so like figuring that kind of stuff out as well like looking at new behaviors that we might not have seen in snow leopards um they do sleep a lot which is wonderful for them 
um, one of our swims, we've given her a pool. And so she just gets in the water at like 6 p.m. on a sun, on a summer night and just has, like, has <laughs> a, a paddle. Sunday? Like it's got a, <laughs> it's got a schedule. <laughs> yeah. Every Sunday just gets in and has a paddle. Yeah. <laughs> um, that's kind of all they do, really. So they, they play, one of them swims, um, and they sleep. Wow. Yeah, it's great. So is there ever been like an initiative for the zoo people to like let people know this so when you're – tourists come to the zoo and they see sleeping animals like mm-hmm. do you make that a conscious thing to be like hey so we should let people know that when they're asleep that means it's okay or like is there any kind of like a plaque on the wall that says that because there should not, be but there should be there absolutely should be there's one that says look up high because you might see the snow leopard sleeping on a rock mm. um but there should be in my opinion more information on yeah. each species and say these are the things that this animal does. This is why you've seen it asleep. Like it's a, it's a good thing. But then that also depends on the species too. You don't want to see, oh, what's a really active animal? You don't want to see a kawadi asleep for Sorry, what's the a entire kawadi? day. It's like a South American carnivore. They're really small and they're really fucking cute. Google it. Can they you, almost have like prehensile noses. How do, you, how, do you Google, how, how do you spell kawadi? C-O-A-T-I. Okay, cool. There you go. Listeners, yep. go pause the podcast and go back and Google a kawadi. <laughs> So they shouldn't be sleeping. They should be active. During certain parts of the day, yes. So they're usually active in the daytime, times that visitors would be at the zoo. Uh-huh. Sure, they can have an afternoon It sounds like nap. a they're sweet animal, by the way. Like, they're an incredible It's in the animal. zoo. It does stuff during the day. Yeah. Go and see the koatis. Spend some time there. They're great. They're sisters. There's a middle child and she's like, she's outcast from the rest of the team. It's kind of sad, but it's wonderful. How did she get outcast? I don't know. I think it might be. We think that Mohawk is the mother of Bahia. And (laughs) who names the animals? Look, sometimes there's a vote. Sometimes it's not our choice. (laughs) So we think that Mohawk is the mother of Bahia and Japura just came from some other random. So now she's in this band of Kawadis and she doesn't have a mother figure to look up to. So she's just the out, you know, the outcast foraging on her own going to try and find her own food, doing her own thing, which is, I mean, I'm a middle child. I resonate with her. I love her. She's actually, she's my favorite animal. You see that, you see that kawadi in there? You're like, yeah, you get it. You don't need anyone. Independent woman. (laughs) Japura is an independent woman and it's great. Is there like, um, how do you track the relationships of these kawadis? Like, could she eventually come in and swoop in and steal the hot jock kawadi from the, you know, the... She could, she absolutely could. I wonder if she's related. We have one male called Floppy. He's also great. They're all great. <laughs> I'm going to stop saying that about each other. <laughs> Japura, there is a chance that she is related to Floppy, so we wouldn't want to breed her. Okay. But there, I mean, there Smart also, move. It, yeah, there also is a great chance that she could eventually be, you know, top dog and Japura is the one that's leading the pack. Whoa. But that is the, those are the kind of things we monitor. So we do so monitor can be, who's on top. You can be a female top dog in the... Oh, is yeah. There, like, is there, which animals like... Have like matriarchies versus patriarchies. Like, is there is that is that a common thing in the animal kingdom? Having it, like a kind of. So lions are the same. So lions, the females, kind of rule the pride. Um, males go out. I'm go- I really hope this is right. Males go out and look for food. <laughs> this is the problem the females, with podcasts: is that you can't stop to I Google. Can't this. Up. <laughs> I can't Google this, and this is my job. I should know. <laughs> you might get fired if anyone listens to Possibly. this. Possibly. <laughs> Possibly. I'm just going to veto everyone. You can't just listen. Just don't mention that you're on it. And the only people that listen were people that don't work at a zoo. And yeah. they're not going to know. No, so they're fine. not going to know. So, so I'm just teaching everyone things. So lions? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm so, like, I know that the females are the head of the pride. I'm almost certain that the males are the... No, I think it's the females are the ones that hunt. I'm not really? going to get this wrong. Let's talk about another species. Let's move on. 
<laughs> so Kawadis definitely, they live in female bands. Mm-hmm. So there's going to be a female that's top dog. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the animals that I, I don't want to say look after, a lot of the animals that I work for. Uh, observe, would you observe? use? Observe, yeah. Could use word the word. You would of, use? Yep, observe. Um, are all solitary, so I haven't worked with a lot of group animals. Uh-huh. Um, but a lot of the animals that I've watched have been female, which is really cool. Wow. Yeah. That's fun. All right. So let's. So you, uh, because a friend, mutual friends of ours also mm-hmm. work at the zoo, they mm-hmm. will probably come on the podcast at, at, at some point. Listen, if you're listening right now, Pete and Georgie, you will probably come on sometime <laughs> soon. Um, but from what I understand about the zoos is that you guys work in kind of blocks. So like if you're working in carnivals or you're mm-hmm. working in here, yeah. so is that similar for you? Like are there other observers at the zoo and you're just observing certain types of animals? Is that how it works? Um, on a rare occasion, no. And I'm the only person that does my job. Whoa. Which is really cool. Is that stressful though? It is a bit stressful because not to toot my own horn, but a lot of people do request to have me work on their team, mm-hmm. which is fucking great because it, validates what i do now um, how would that happen would that come from someone says hey the snow leopard's being weird can we get amy rose correct to come have a that's look? almost exactly how it happens they'll just come to my boss and say being hey weird. can amy can amy come and look at this weird behavior and we'll be like i'll be like yeah sure i've got time or absolutely not i don't have any time wow yeah so it's stressful but it's also really cool because i get to work across all of the different species across all the different properties are there any animals that are just totally chilled that you never have to observe? Oh, like they're sweet. Meerkats, sweet. Yeah? So fine. Certain, like the snow leopards, sweet. So fine. Um, a lot of the animals are really happy because we've accommodated to their needs and past their basic needs too. Like we give them things to play with. We give them more than enough space. I think that was going to be something I was going to bring up later, but we're already here now, so let's hit it. I think a lot of people might think when it comes to zoos, like, oh, how dare you cage animals or whatever. Yeah. yeah. You're here to say right now that they, they've got fantastic lives, they're Correct. enriched lives, they have yeah. things to do. Yeah. Like, There's a whole team of people like that are working in animal welfare. I mean, there's an animal welfare specialist. Her PhD was on animal welfare, specifically captive animals um the director of my entire team has phd in animal welfare um and almost every person that i know that works there where there's you know almost a thousand people that are employed at melbourne zoo and zoos victoria all have animal welfare and wildlife conservation at the forefront of their mind we were told today by an outsider that my the team that i work in um wildlife conservation and science has the ability to veto any decision if conservation takes priority. Right. So if the zoo wants to make a decision, but we say, actually, no, the mountain pygmy possum needs more money, we can veto that decision and we can get more money for the mountain pygmy possum, which is an incredible amount of power. Yeah. Um, And a lot of the work that we do in situ instead of in the zoo doesn't get advertised as much as, you know, World Lion Day, which is really sad because I know a lot of the people that I'm surrounded with immediately frown and think of the word zoo as a really dirty word Mm. and we were even talking about that today in my team should we get rid of the word zoo should we get rid of the word completely from all three zoos that we have and try and make ourselves a conservation organization with attached to it an area in like where people can in see urban animals. Melbourne where they can see animals and try and come up with a better word because it's such a dirty word. I mean, yeah. we've been around for 156 years and we still have the same name and a lot of the same language is still there. So uh. changing that, I think, would 
change a lot of the public's perception. Yeah, completely. That's, um, that's well, tick that off. Any listeners be like, well, I'm always going to listen to this because of now they can just no, fuck off. They can fuck off. <laughs> We're doing great things. <laughs> Fighting extinction. Okay. Now, I told, I lost my train of thought what we were talking about before that. But you work across, you know, all you're the, you're the only person on your team. Mm-hmm. You're a one-man team. Mm-hmm. You're much like the Kawadi. You're just out there, just yep. doing your own thing. Living my best life. Yeah, fantastic. So what are the kind of... Are there certain animals that have problem times, like say in winter or summer? Or like, are you, do you have to move around based on the season? Or is it just based on if like there's a new animal or a new something happens? A new animal is a big one. So if we do get a new animal... Um, we'll have to monitor their behavior really closely. And that's one that we'd watch for 24 hours and make sure that it's doing what it should be doing or it has the same behaviors as it would in the wild. Um, seasonality is something that we that isn't a massive issue based on the fact that we have a lot of species in our care that aren't going to really suffer from being in an Australian summer or in an Australian winter. Cool. Um, which is great. So you don't have any polar bears there or anything? Oh, fuck no. No, absolutely not. We would fight that to the death. No way. Um, so are you saying, could that come from high up? Could someone at the top be like, we're getting polar bears? And you'd be like, Yeah, and we'd be like, no. absolutely not. Here's the evidence, why not? And they'd be like, okay. <laughs> Just shut them down with hard evidence. You don't have like a like a Bob Fossil from Mighty Boosh? Just like <laughs> pulling some random shit? Like, we're going to bring this in. We want wolves. No. Um, do, do you watch the first season of Mighty Boosh and you just recoil in terror with uh, the I way... haven't watched the first season of Mighty Boosh in so many years. <laughs> so, where do you go to if you're gonna re- have you rewatched it lately? Do you just no, jump straight to season two or three? I haven't rewatched it lately. Jump Maybe that's something I should do. Jump straight into two when they're in the house, like, a bit more young onesie. One? Yeah, right. it's it's pretty good. <laughs> oh, look, don't get me wrong, I'm still a fan of the first season, but yeah. second season more budget on top of the more budgets important piss week budget of the first season <laughs> they've got like a slightly bigger budget shit's a bit more high concept Brilliant. anyway um i've just derailed again um but i feel like people would be upset if they, if i didn't bring up the mighty boosh zoo because it's probably the shittest zoo ever seen on tv yeah okay yeah great so luckily your zoo is run by that. huh luckily it's not that then great we're sorted <laughs> awesome. um tell me tell me more so um where were we? We were talking about like, you know, across the line of like when when you're needed. So when, when does that happen? Um, it usually happens when there is a welfare concern or people are preempting a welfare concern. Mm-hmm. So if an animal is um, in a slightly negative or neutral welfare state as opposed to a positive welfare state, that is when we look at research priorities. So every, I don't want this to come across the wrong way, but every team, every precinct, um, prioritizes their um, animal over everything else, which is fair enough, of yeah. course. The um, Trail of the Elephants team prioritizes elephants over they over every other species in the zoo. I can assume that's why people are always trying to ask you to go work for them. Correct. <laughs> exactly right. So then we have to develop a framework that helps decision-making and prioritizing research and research projects. So can is this something that we can get students to do? Is this something that we can get volunteers to do? Is this something that we need a trained professional to do? Is this something that, you know, needs to be pushed and we start it tomorrow? Is this something that we can, you know, push back for an extra two months because it's not an immediate welfare risk? Mm-hmm. Um, and it's kind of more about prioritizing because there's never only just one thing to do. There's always hundreds of things to do right. constantly. Which yeah. is not to say that we are a bad zoo. It's just to say that research is constantly growing. I mean, there's exponential growth in 
welfare research and animal welfare research, animal cognition, um, and the literature that keeps coming out, we're constantly learning, which means we have to be adaptable and we have to change with the literature. So our perception is different. Whereas 50 years ago, we think the animal's alive, therefore it's fine. Now it's, it's not that, <laughs> not that at all. So things are constantly changing. So we have to understand that our perception of happiness, for lack of a better word, in an animal is going to change. So we might think of that something was good, now is not good anymore. So we need more research on it. Wow. Mm. So you're constantly evolving, constantly growing, constantly trying yeah. to be that. Better. Yeah. Yeah. The, the anti-zoo. What the, Have you come up with any ideas of what we're going to call a zoo instead of a zoo? No. Nah. Today we came up with like conservation hub, which is fine, but you, no one wants, to, no millennial wants to go to a conservation hub. No. What no Do millennials millennial. want to go to zoos? Is nah. that a thing? Fuck no. Who wants to go to zoos? What's your, Young what's your, families. Yeah. Uh, tourists anyone that's not in Australia wants mm-hmm. to go and see Australian animals um, do you guys have Australian animals there like, yeah we have heaps do you have like kangaroos and stuff we do yeah cool yeah, so you've great. got that ticked off that's ticked is that off. what your Bob Fossil was saying he's like he or she he's like we've got to have some kangaroos up in this there's zoo there's got to be something in here for mm. tourists to come and see to yep. come and pat um, no they don't pat them I shouldn't say that that was really bad <laughs> <laughs> no one pats animals um, you can't pat any animals you if, you go, any, no, if you, you go can't. to this conservation hub. No, nah, no patting animals allowed. So what then I guess therein lies the challenge. Like how you're, you're a millennial. I'm a millennial. Mm. Like mm-hmm. how would you, how would you try and find ways like, you know, let's spitball here. Let's come up with some ideas. What would you do to bring some millennials into the conservation hub? So I, would, I would want to have a conversation with them, which is not always going to be able to happen. That's not feasible, but having conversations with my friends and people that initially were like, oh, zoos are bad. Why would you work for a zoo? Um, The only way that things are going to change is if you do it from the inside. Mm. So if I want welfare in in the captive animal scene to change, you just have to go in there and do it. Mm. Um, Talking about the conservation we do outside of the zoo, talking about um, the amazing team of people that I'm surrounded by that are doing stuff with, you know, campaigning. Um, I don't know any of the statistics, but we've changed a lot of people's behavior just by saying, hey, blow bubbles, don't use balloons at your birthday party. Mm. Or, you know, we're about to start asking people to switch to wildlife friendly coffee. coffee. Um, we is that, is that an easy thing to do to find out if your coffee is wildlife friendly or not? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean... I hope it's written on the back of the packet because that's as far as people will fucking go. I know that's a big thing and you guys have had a, uh, had a fight against palm oil too. Is that mm-hmm. correct? So yep. just trying to like avoid companies or brands that use yep. palm oil in their products. Mainly we're trying to get um, the minister to make it, have mandatory labeling. Mm. So if it's certified sustainable palm oil, great. Because that means that the palm oil plantation is sustainable essentially it's not taking down new habitats you're not like wrecking homes for orangutans yeah no we don't want to do any of that mm. we don't want any part of it the last time i was at the zoo i remember there was a thing and it it was like um it was a cool little display that was set up and you could scan products and be mm-hmm. like is this the supermarket yeah it's yeah. like does this have palm oil and you're like mm. well shit heaps yeah. of stuff has palm oil so much that- there's lists and lists and lists that have it you can get like fucking apps now that tell you what has it oh fantastic yeah so and just for the listeners as well so they don't understand so palm oil is so when they when they're, I guess say mining palm oil. <laughs> when they're getting that palm oil, mm-hmm. that's what's wrecking the uh, yeah. the habitats for for orangutans. Is that yeah. right? Is in, any other animals affected in that as well? Kind of anywhere in Sumatra, Borneo. So orangs, tigers, um, elephants, Asian elephants. 
any sort of animal in that area mm-hmm. is just their homes are being ruined because people want their because trees creamy are getting chocolate. knocked down. Yep, people want their Cadbury. Is does Cadbury have farm? Oh yeah, what? Cadbury's terrible. Shit. Yeah, man. So wait, okay, listeners. What kind? Oh, for the listeners, what kind of chocolate can people eat that has nice palm oil? Shit, because I, I love chocolate. Because that's something we need to fucking sort out. Hey, I think lint. Oh, okay. Uh, Whitakers, Whitakers. Have I said that wrong? Is that the one in the yellow box? Uh, no, that's a, isn't that a Toblerone? <laughs> <laughs> no, the one that's like that. What's that one? Oh, that's Whitman's. I'm thinking of the Whitman sampler. That's the wrong one. I have no. Oh, is that like the shells, the Belgian chocolate? <laughs> Fuck, we were just throwing out some chocolates of people. We're mad. No, it's the wrong chocolate. It's no, the, the wrong chocolate. The chocolate's the G, the the shell chocolate's a G. Gillian, oh, I yeah. want to say. I feel like it's like crack. I could eat an entire box. Is it because it got palm it's, oil in it? Or it I don't know. I don't want to Pro- know. It's probably got fucking palm it's oil. It's probably in got it. fucking palm oil. But, Most things do. So what you're saying is obviously we do need to push for there to be some kind of label so we yeah. know what's killing. Because palm oil the- isn't bad. It's just the palm oil that's not sustainable that's bad. Mm. So just because something has palm oil in it, it doesn't mean that that's a bad product. So that's why we just need to know where it comes from to to know whether it's recyclable. What's the word? Sustainable. (laughs) Sustainable palm oil. Okay, great. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. Wow. Mm. Fuck. That was a fun little tangent. Now it was. Let's get back to your job. Yeah. (laughs) So people ask you. You have a kind of scale. You figure out what you like. You know where or who needs to be placed in, in to watch out for the welfare of these animals mm-hmm. as always a list you're always stressed with mm-hmm. i don't know how you do it how do you how do you not just want to watch the monitors like every day oh i do though but like after work do you go home and think oh geez what if i'm gonna miss something do you have like do you have would you watch it in fast motion when you get to work the next yeah, morning I do. like sometimes i watch the kawadi on like eight times speed and it's brilliant and then the keepers come in and i'm like whoa <laughs> chill um but it does make life a lot easier that i can it doesn't have to be direct observations it can be remote so i can sit at my desk watch three days worth of footage in a couple of hours um get what i need from it so that makes it pretty easy okay so good. thank god for technology because then oh, you're right. old if the person who did your job before you would have to just sit and watch them like like imagine jane goodall out there in the fucking western lowland gorillas sitting there with a piece of paper no formal training and a pen just like writing down what the gorillas are doing why did you have no formal training? Was there no formal training back then for this kind of stuff? No, I, with the gorillas there, in the I think there was, but I also think she like had the drive. So her, oh, was it her boss or her mentor was just like, go and live with the gorillas for a while and watch them and figure out what they're doing. And she was like, okay, she took like a fucking diary and a linen shirt and was like, okay, <laughs> what are these dudes doing near the Congo? I'm pretty sure you can't legally hang out with animals unless you are wearing a linen shirt. Correct. Like, I'm pretty yep. sure they don't let you. No, they don't. It's they mandatory. Would, these days, if you're trying to wear like a tech, you know, like some kind of Catmandu-y kind of shirt, probably Mm-mm. not allowed. Still going to no. go with old school linens. No Catmandu allowed. Yeah. No North Face, <laughs> no Patagonia, none of it. None of it? Nah. Shit. Linen unmarked shirt. linen. <laughs> <laughs> so, other than the Quadis, you did some stuff with the Snow Leopards. What mm-hmm. other animals are you watching at the moment? So, obviously, the moment, so that would change because, you it know, does. at the moment... You're at this hierarchy where... So who's at risk right now? What's going on? One of the koatis. Yeah. So Floppy, the male koati. I yeah. don't know if I should be naming these. Fuck it. Um, and two macaws. Yeah. What's a macaw for the lizards? Uh, a really, really big parrot that lives in the Amazon. Yeah, right. Beautiful birds. Uh, people, listeners might remember the movie The Real Macaw. I don't remember that. I'm pretty sure that was a thing. I was on the post. Like, you know when they were doing like animal-themed movies for a while? 
Um, luckily, I have my phone on me, so I can double check. <laughs> Describe him a call, and like I will pet confirm. Oh no, yeah. what? Paw Patrol? Is that what's out at the moment? That's it's like a group of dogs. Yeah. Do you mean is that that kind of animal mm. movie that you're talking about? No, I'm talking like back in like the '90s. Like you had Dunson checks in. It was like, oh, it's an orangutan, but he's in a hotel with George from Seinfeld. And there was like animal themed movies. And I think maybe it was right. spurred on by the success of Ace Ventura in the early 90s. Oh, I don't of course. know. <laughs> of course. Did, you, did you watch Ace Ventura, Pet I Detective did. as a kid? And then yeah. you're like, that's what I want to do for a job? Yeah. Amazing. And Dr. Doolittle. <laughs> Unfortunately. <laughs> I'm going to try and find this real McCaw movie before we fucking move on. Because I'm, I'm sure that's a thing. Yeah, yeah, check it out. It's a little boy in his boot. Oh, that-, that rules. That is a McCaw. That's exactly what ours look like. All right. Sunny's and all. <laughs> Pause the podcast again. Google the real McCaw. It was a move. It was a move. It had John Goodman in it. Oh, shit. There you go. Classic. But the, oh, Let's Fly Away Home list. was another one. Do you remember that movie <gasps> with Anna Paquin? Oh, my gosh. She, you know, like, feel yes. like in our youth, animal movies were fucking hot. I what think was that one about the Labrador that got in the hot air balloon and it talked? Oh, Napoleon? Oh my god, that movie makes me cry every time. Even just thinking about it, I'm that's, getting anxiety. And he's got that's an Australian movie. Like, doesn't he have an yeah. Australian accent? I, and like the lizards are like, ah, ah, god. Oh, and he goes into a cave at some point. It's really dark. So what? Oh, so shit. what? I think there's some kind of conspiracy theory that animal movies of the '90s was trying to get everyone on this on on the train on yeah. the yeah. on the animal train. And it's worked. And it's worked it's clearly. Worked. <laughs> Thanks, Jim Carrey. Cheers. Um, Eddie Murphy. Yeah, so oh, I don't remember Dr. Doolittle. Does he just at one point figure out he can talk to animals? Does he I get struck by so. lightning? Like, what's the gimmick? No, I don't know. I can't remember what the gimmick is, but I know that he can talk to animals. And I was like, I wish I could do that. Oh. Yeah. So that's yeah. been your drive this whole time. Yeah. Is this the thing that on the the the, the tarot card, you, you've not been, been able to hold back is the thought that you can't talk to animals? Possibly. You need to let that go. Because it would make my job so much easier if I just knew what they were thinking. Or if they could just tell me what was up. Like, my, this is my issue. Yeah. This is how you can fix it. Yeah. Do something about it. That's My friend Bo talked about that one time. We talked about him and his dog. And he's like, even if I had like one minute, one minute where I could communicate yes. with my dog to be like, is everything That's cool? Enough time. Is this sweet? Is everything co- cool? And then never yeah, be able then, to talk to an animal again. And then you're fine. Because then you can figure out what they want. Yeah. What they need. Yeah. It'd be fucking brilliant. And if really, if you only had one minute to talk to an animal, the first thing they're going to say is like, oi, fix this. And yeah. you're like, cool. <laughs> Done. Sadly, Job sorted. we don't live in a world where that happens. No. You have to just, maybe we'll, we'll just get to guess. some point. Someone's going to invent some fucking I so. Google helmet, put yeah. on an animal. <laughs> <laughs> Google will do it. One of the, Amazon. Yeah, Google will do one it. One of those rich companies will sort it out. Okay, yeah. so other, you, you, you're stuck. You've got to use your wits mm-hmm. and Google Scholar. Mm-hmm. And did you study it? What did you study at school? I studied zoology. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then could you then branch off or did you study something or like... You know, like there's only one of you, you know? I know. So that was that was my major. So I did biological science, majoring in zoology because I wanted to work in kind of mainly mammals, but also like in a captive setting. I knew I wanted to work in a zoo. I knew I wanted to make the zoo world better and make the word zoo less dirty. Oh, that's, um, that's very noble from an early standpoint. Yeah. I had no one else around me wanted to do it. So I was like, if no one else is going to fucking do it, then I'll do it. Like, I'm fine with that. Um <laughs> So I volunteered yes. there for ages, uh-huh. uh, learned the ins and outs, applied for a job, got a job. Two years later, I'm here. Wow. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. And when you think about it, because there's not very many zoos in uh, Victoria. There's like th- three. Zoos Victoria, the company that I work for, mm-hmm. the organization, I should say, sorry. Mm-hmm. We have three. Mm-hmm. Um, I, th- 
I don't know if there are any others. If they are, they're privately owned. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if they're accredited. It's a whole fucking list of things that you need. Wow. If you want to be, I guess, a good zoo, receive government funding, all that jazz. What if you're like a wildlife sanctuary? Does that count? Can you get away mm. with less shit? <laughs> you know? Nah, like you just have... a sanctuary has... The word sanctuary has bad connotations to it because you assume that a sanctuary is going to be a good place. Uh You assume that a sanctuary is a place where animals can go and thrive and be happy and be safe. Yeah. Because the word sanctuary is positive, right? It's up there with the word like oasis or fern gully, you know? Yeah, but the way that animals are kept... It's just a like it's just a word. I mean, you could call Melbourne Zoo a sanctuary when you look at certain animals there. Huh. I mean, you wouldn't need to give them anything more than what they already have, whether yeah, it's right. in an urban setting or whether it's at Hillsville Sanctuary out in the Yarra Valley. Like, it oh yeah, Hillsville Sanctuary. Yeah, we have a sanctuary, but it's essentially a zoo. It's owned by an organization with a zoo in its title. Mm. So anything that has animals in captivity, I guess by definition, is is a zoo as well. So. The word sanctuary doesn't mean it's better. It just means it's called something different. Mm, okay. I guess. Good to know. Yeah. But that but that also means that zoo, not a bad word though. Like, no, zoo is not a bad word. Still means that they're getting looked after. They have yeah. people to look after their Correct. animals and yeah. they're, they're caring for the welfare. Yeah. Amazing. Mm-hmm. All right. Tell me about some other fun animals. Other fun animals. Yeah. So you mentioned, so you, at the moment you're looking at the koatis mm-hmm. and you're looking at the macaws. The macaws oh, yep. what's wrong with the macaws? Do we get to that? I don't, oh, I nothing jumped around. essentially wrong with them. So we're monitoring their behavior because their training plan has changed. So they're doing, they're participating in more intense training um, to get them stronger um, and to get them doing behaviors that they should be doing in the wild, essentially free flying. So they're coming out of their aviary. They're going into the world, into a park that we have. Um, inside zoo grounds. So it's like a giant fly. cat run, but it's for birds. Fuck yeah. 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 It's that. And they just get to fly, which is so cool. How big is a windspan on, on a on macaw? A like, I feel like they're pretty big, right? Like, yeah, like well over a meter, I'd say. Whoa. Especially Pablo. He's huge. Pablo. Pablo's is, great. Is, is he the big one? Yeah, he's the big one. We've got two. We've got two in that exhibit Pablo and Goldie. Goldie's 19, Pablo's three. Whoa. I know. So what's It's really confronting when I tell visitors that. They're like, oh. Wait, are they a thing though? They're a thing. Oh shit, that's yeah, even crazier. Thing. Yeah. So he's like little young buck bird mm-hmm. and that's a full yeah. cougar bird. Yeah, cougar bird. Amazing. Cougar are they going to make little baby macaws? Possibly. I hope so. It'd be kind of cute. How, what's the average lifespan of a macaw? M- many decades. So oh, 60? Yeah, So sweet. she's still young. She's got heaps of time to pump oh, out yeah. some macaw babies. Fuck yeah. And it's are you equipped? Great. So that's, well, that's, this brings up another interesting question. It does. What happens when animals in captivity make babies? Are you prepared for that? We usually are. Well, I say usually, we always are. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think you never get like a random baby don't just comes think out of there's been a surprise birth. <laughs> I hope not. Holy shit! Another <laughs> elephant! <laughs> that um, ne- that's never happened? D- I don't think so. Cool. Not that I'm aware of. Mm-hmm. Um, Look, and you'd, usually you'd there's. Know, really? Yeah, I mean, you'd hope so. There's usually a breeding plan in place. So we have a breeding plan. Currently, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this, but with the snow leopards, uh-huh. so if a male and a female, we want to mate them. We want baby snow leopards. We've had a breeding plan since we got them two years ago. So you kind of, if you're bringing new animals in or if you already have animals that you want to breed and to reproduce, you have to make sure you're equipped. I was just about to say, that doesn't sound like something you shouldn't say. That just sounds like common sense that if you're, well, a, if yeah. you're a zoo that cares for people's well-being, you're going to make sure that if that happens, you have every contingency Correct. prepared for yeah. in case they end up making babies. Yeah. So then what happens then? Do you have, to, like, have, extend, do you have to extend the... Do, do any of their enclosures have to get bigger because no, there's more because of them? No, because we'd already, we'd already would have planned for that. 
Right. So that comes into even the yeah. how much of a enclosure they have mm-hmm. is in case they have babies. Yeah. Right. And if at any point we decide that what we have isn't good enough for the new animal or for the parent animal, then we will move it to a zoo that is equipped to take care of it. Wow. Yeah. So is there like communication between, like, do you guys have like sister zoos in other countries or? We're developing a sister zoo program for international zoos at the moment, which is really cool. So we get to bolster zoos that aren't equipped, aren't educated, don't have direction, don't have structure. We get to work with them to make sure that that is developed. Um, but we are in communication with other accredited zoos. Like we work, I don't want to, I don't know if we work a lot with Taronga, but we're in communication a lot with say, That's Taronga the one in Zoo Sydney, and, right? Yeah. And Monado Zoo and Adelaide Zoo and Perth Zoo, Singapore Zoo, zoos around the world, like London Zoo. Um, if you're an accredited zoo um, and you're a part of WAZA, which is the World Association of Zoos and Aquariums, then you can kind of communicate with anyone. Cool. Which is super cool. You can just email them and be like, yo, I'm from here. Help me with this. And they're like, yeah, sick. Has that been something, the, the Waza connection, has that been something that you've used when you're stumped with an animal's behavior? Like, have you noticed this in your animals? Like, have you ever had to resort to hitting up dudes and asking them? Um, a lot of the time we just go on Facebook. So there's massive Facebook groups with hundreds of thousands of people in it wow. that work in zoos or have worked in zoos or work with animals. And you just like chuck a post in there being like, yo, my kawadi's doing something weird. Has anyone else seen this? And you'll get hundreds of comments being like, yes or no. Wow. And then you can kind of problem solve through that, which is ace, you know, 2019 millennials. Get on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> Do you guys share minion memes as well on the Facebook? No. There's a lot of shit bird memes though. Like what, what's tons sh- of them. I was going to say, we've, we've discussed at the very start of the episode and, you know, people are probably like thinking, oh, tell us more about memes. Um, I love a meme. Is there zoo memes? Like, yeah, heaps of them. Do you guys like, you know, like at a certain workplace or like you go to the hi-fi bar and like Leroy's put up memes in the, in the urinals like, mm. and they're metal mm-hmm. memes. Is there zoo memes? Like, do you yeah. guys share cute zoo memes? Absolutely. And do you use the pictures of the animals or do you use a standard meme format? And then turn into like some kind of zoo thing. Like, do you use a, a distracted, distracted boyfriend meme? Oh about yeah, zoos? all the time, all mm. the time. Talk to me. So how would you then? How would you do that? Like, oh, how would you do that? Okay, a distracted boyfriend meme <laughs> in a zoo setting. Yeah. So it would be like. Uh, I would also expect ex- accept the same one. It's that format with the street sign on on the freeway and the cars like veering off towards. Oh something. my god! <laughs> yeah. I have seen some good shit with that. Like, <laughs> so, around, around so the car is, yeah, the car is always the visitor uh-huh. or a visitor or just me as a visitor at the zoo. Mm-hmm. The sign where you should be going is like standing back, respecting the animal for where it is. And the sign turning right is like fucking banging on the glass or some shit thing that visitors do. <laughs> yelling really fucking obnoxiously at the animal, trying to wake it up from its nap. There's so many, or <laughs> there's a lot of bird ones, like nesting in really inappropriate spots, like nesting in the middle of a car park and being ferociously defensive of my eggs versus building a nest in a beautiful park across the road where I really should be. And this bird is like obviously veering right. <laughs> yes. <laughs> because we've They're... cemented its fucking habitat. <laughs> it, it always ends up really somber. All of these about, memes I was just about to say, it's have a, a grim turn. Comment. Yeah, it's fucked. <laughs> thing we can laugh at because we fucked up animals environment yeah. but it needs to go the attenborough way like i don't know if you ever noticed when you ever watch like attenborough like blue planet or whatever mm-hmm. he always like shows it oh wow okay cool that's pretty interesting oh something awful happens like an animal gets killed or whatever mm-hmm. 
and then okay move on oh now the humans have fucked something up shit yeah but then at the end it's like oh but there's hope because this one country's done this thing where they're fixed animals yeah so let's can we now like swing it to that final Attenborough thing like the hope uh, yeah give us give the listeners, <laughs> a hope story give the listeners some hope love not loss hope like are we doing good things we're connected we now? are we are in in the zoo space we are doing good things there's really good things happening in mm-hmm. the zoo space and in the conservation space um there is a lot more talk on the climate crisis going on and where zoos victoria stands and we're still trying to figure out how we as an organization and how we as representatives of zoos victoria can be in the climate crisis space mm-hmm. um because there was just too much loss and anger and depression in that space and we really want to try and bring some hope into it not focus on the negative but try and correct try and, and be a bit more positive and we try about and do that as well like you know one of our skinks might be extinct we don't know but we also know that we are going to i think it was 37 orange belly parrots we're going to release that also could be a really wrong number but Mm -hmm. there are hope stories so my colleagues are always like oh we found um eggs in this area where we didn't think there would be or we found uh you know a scat of an animal that shouldn't be there or we got money to build a cat um a you know, a feral cat fence around French Island. So the bandicoot's going to be safe from that. And there's always hope stories coming up. It's just, I think the way we communicate it is, it needs to be stronger. It needs to be a lot fucking stronger because people aren't listening. Yeah. Oh, it must be so hard to cut through uh, the static of, you know, social media nowadays and 24 hour news cycles mm-hmm. and things like that. Like, and you know, you're, like you said, you're a part of an organization that millennials don't seem to care about. Like, yeah, correct. you know, maybe look, I don't know about uh, all millennials, but certainly a lot of my friends within this age bracket certainly care about the environment and mm-hmm. care about, um, you know, where we're heading when it comes to climate change and things like yeah. that and, and want to be a bit more proactive. So maybe that's, maybe that's our angle, you yeah, know, it maybe. It needs to be because we can, Zeus Victoria can put something on the Instagram story, but unless the right people are following the Instagram, no one's going to see it. Mm. Like you're only exposing yourself to the people that want to engage in that information. Because social media can be so curated now. Facebook, yeah, there's fucking sponsored ads and things are filtered. But places like Instagram and Twitter, you curate your newsfeed. You can follow as many artists, as many musicians, as many scientists as you want. But if that per- if the wrong person is following the wrong account or the right people aren't following the right account, mm. then that news isn't going to get spread where it needs to. That's fantastic. I think that's what a wonderful call to action. Could Is there anyone off the top of your head or maybe we can have a pause and have a think about any people on Instagram. I'm a huge Instagram guy. Mm, I get my memes there. Oh, yeah. Fuck you, Tara Lady is only on Instagram. I don't have have Facebook. I don't have Twitter. I can't fuck about that. So is there any Instagram handles of people we could follow to get some of these kind of positive news about the environment, about animals, about... Yeah, Conservation Optimism is an amazing one. So it's just at Conservation Optimism? Yeah, so it's basically just... We need to stop thinking about how much we've fucked up and we need to start thinking about the fact that, yeah, we may have fucked up the world, but we're also, we have the power to fix it. Um, so it's just looking at the optimistic side of um, the climate crisis, the extinction crisis, all of the anger that people like Extinction Rebellion are putting out into the world. Well, it's great. Well, we do need to, I guess, fight for lack of a better word. Is Extinction Rebellion another it's organization? A, it's a body of people Mm -hmm. so it's a big big protest in started in the uk in london they basically shut down the city of london they went naked into the parliament and basically just like 
you guys need to do something about this. Like, this is not fair. Um, your people care and you need to care about your people. It's moving across the world. It's It came to Melbourne recently. Um, it's There's a global strike in October, I think. And it's a massive body of people and it's constantly in the news, but it's very angry. It's very, mm. you know, fuck you. We need to do more. It's de- yeah, you don't. But sometimes that's not the road you need to take. If, don't catch if, flies with that vinegar. No, absolutely not. You don't. Yeah. You need to be hopeful and you need to give people the tools rather than tell them what to do or yell at them that they're doing something wrong. You do need to kind of give them a story of hope and say, this is what, this is what could be done yeah. if we all stand together and take care of the one thing that really fucking matters. Because, I mean, nature underpins every aspect of life, but its ability to do so is rapidly declining because of us. Whoa. It's fucked. Like, we just need to do something. Sorry. Shit. That's... <laughs> That's fucking heavy, man. Like it we is, are, but it really... is. It's that fucking heavy. Yeah. Like we're really close to just not being here. So I just feel like are you just on a constant stream of like um like valleys or something? Like how do you live? How do you live in a job that's kind of constantly stressful because mm. you've always got work mounting up? You're always trying to make sure everyone's getting the right amount of care. Mm-hmm. On top of knowing that the planet's kind of fucked. Like the environmental existential dread that I constantly face. Yeah, it's really fucking hard. Shit. <laughs> That's rough. Yeah. You just, I just got a little peek I into that. Heaps of gin. <laughs> heaps of it. <laughs> is it locally sourced gin? Is it not going to... It is not. It is like locally sourced gin. Yeah. yeah. Four cool. Pillars or... Taylor, I think it's Taylor and Smith or Smith and Taylor from Tasmania. Sick. Cool. It's real good. And they're looking after the environment on top of making gin. Yeah. We're not going to find out they're using palm oil in their oh, gin or anything. No. No way. Shut it down. <laughs> gin and homies. <laughs> it's my one piece of advice. Keep it close. <laughs> Oh shit! All right, so we've been talking for fuck ages, and we didn't even get onto. So, you, <laughs> the only thing I've written down here, pre pre this podcast, before while we were having dinner, uh, there was a nugget dropped that your dad worked with John Farnham. Yes. Can you, can we get on? Can we take a serious? In the meme format of yeah. the street sign and the right turn <laughs> off the freeway. Can we take a serious fucking right turn? Right turn is 70s rock. <laughs> talking about conservation, existential dread. Talking about John Farnham. Can we, can we please talk about John Farnham? Yeah, so, we can. So talk about your dad and how he was involved with fucking Johnny Farnham. My dad um, is very fucking cool dude. He uh-huh. has worked for oof, maybe 40 years in the Australian music industry. Unreal. Maybe even longer. He started off as a guitarist in the Skyhooks before they were the Skyhooks when they were like a garage band um, met a guy called Glenn Wheatley who's also somewhere in the Australian music industry uh-huh. um, and decided he wanted to start a production company touring company record label uh, he wanted to do all the behind the scenes stuff do a lot of mastering so he bought a truck he bought gear and was just like yo Australian bands hire my truck hire my gear I'll drive you around let's fucking go Wow. So that's how he started in And what era was this? Like, do you know kind of rough timelines? Like early 70s? Yeah, early 70s. Must have been early 70s. Wow. Moving into the early 80s. And then he, I think through touring, he met John Farnham, um, which is when he, they started, they had a record label together called Gotham Records. That was based in Melbourne. And they had, you know, Bachelor Girl, Nolly Imbruglia. John Farnham was on there. This is when Australian Idol was still a cool thing and those artists kind of came through and worked with them. Um, And so since, I think Whispering Jack was the first award-winning album my dad produced, which is 
fucking cool. As I was, look, so I haven't done much John Farnham delving, but mm-hmm. my best mate Matt, first episode of the podcast, go back and listen. He, I, I don't know how it came about, but I think I often hit him up. I'm just like, what do you listen to lately? What, what yeah. should I listen to? And he was like, Whispering Jack. And I was like, Sick. for real? And I was, he's like, yeah, man. And then when you get th- past You're the Voice and you get past like you, the ones that you kind of already know, mm. the album rips. Like, yeah, it's, it's fucking, it's a, it's a body of work. Yeah. It's beautiful. And that was the thing. Like, I think everyone knows like maybe two or three songs off that album, but mm-hmm. the rest of it's fucking shit hot. Like, yeah, it's, it's so a good. It's album. Yeah. yeah. So what did, what was his role specifically like with John, like, producing with him or like yeah producing with him writing songs with him um he was never on the management like the artist management side mm-hmm. he more kind of wanted to do be hands-on be in the studio Fuck. mixing stuff um so yeah he worked with him throughout basically his whole career um and he recently retired so he doesn't work with johnny anymore unfortunately um but he's still writing songs he's still um out there working kind of individually with people he built his own studio in his backyard which is really really fucking cool so he has all like the capability to record anything um out in his backyard and he's mastering a lot of stuff and yeah i feel like i can say that he's a really cool guy and i can be fucking proud of that because i mean it's not me i didn't do the hard work he's the rad one yeah right really fucking hard and it paid off it's cool and he was the one that kind of pushed me well he didn't push me but he inspired me to do music as well so let's talk about your music now mm-hmm. so I, this is something i had no idea about i right. just thought you had one really cool thing about you but you've got two that's not fair you know <laughs> save some for the rest of us man <laughs> so how did you get into music like what kind of stuff like tell us about your relationship with music i started uh learning i guess you could say music when i was five so i started piano lessons and voice lessons at the same time when i was five um, at, the, at the exact same time, so you have to sing while playing piano. Oh, I fucking wish. That is such a talent. People who can sing and play an instrument at the same time cannot do it. I've just never been able to do it. But so I did piano, voice. Then I just dabbled in everything. I was like, fuck it. I'm going to give everything a go. And I'm assuming there would be a lot of uh, instruments around the house all the time. You all know? the time. Like it's not like anyone else who wants to just pick up something. Like you can just physically I go and pick one up. I can just go into the music room that we had when I was growing up and just pick up anything except... I still cannot play the guitar. I've never been able to. It just doesn't... I can't compute the idea that the strings are not in, like, consecutive order. Like, on a piano, it's A, B, C, D, E, F, G. On a guitar, no. Mm. Who the fuck invented that? It just doesn't work that way. I don't know. I can't play any instrument, so I'm totally with you on this. That was really fucking hard for me to learn Mm. or to try and unlearn piano. Anyway, I digress. So, Um, piano. So, do do you have a little you know a little play at home or do you have something that you kind of like mess around on or um these days unfortunately no i haven't played music in a really long time you're too busy worrying about the planet dying too busy yeah it's too, too busy it's, fucking worrying you can't be fucking playing play piano any right sort now. Of music it's shit um, the kawadis are getting weird in the in the enclosure i don't have time for this i gotta drink some gin and go to bed correct <laughs> but i did music was my kind of chosen life path until i was 23 so I did a music degree after high school. Um, I studied music in year 12. I continued learning for years and years and years. I think I did voice for 20 years, which is cool. Wow. Um, so I learned a lot about that, a lot about the history of jazz. I love listening to jazz and kind of soul funk stuff, especially local stuff. There are incredible musicians around Melbourne that are 
Great. doing some sick shit. Fantastic segue into what you're listening to at the moment. What people should uh, take from this podcast? What should they listen to? You know, oh, what bands this, do you like? What bands do I like currently? What bands do I like? Yeah, or I don't know, whatever fuck you want, man. It's your podcast. Like one of my favourite bands, I think is... Do I have to say something classic? I mean, Radiohead's always going to be there. OK Computer is just For an sure. album that's always going to be close to me. Mm-hmm. Um, Why OK Computer specifically? Just because it was the first time they hit that, started to get a bit... Well, I think like, that's why I like OK Computer. Yeah. It's really textured. Because the one before that had like the bends and shit like that, right? And it was still a bit bandy. And then yeah. it got a bit more like, oh shit. Weird. That one that had the Apple voice talking about all the things you should yeah. be doing. I'm not, I'm, I like Radiohead, but I don't know I'm enough. I'm fumbling through this conversation. Yeah. But It's a good album. Yeah. See, because uh, a friend of mine who passed away, uh, Dan got me onto Kid A. That was like, mm-hmm. that's my jam where yeah. it's like, oh fuck, this is weird. Creepy and sad. Yeah. But it's kind of nice. <laughs> but it's kind of nice. Yeah, it's good to listen to. So, yeah, I think that was... Was that just after OK Computer, I think, on the timeline? We, we're fucking things up. We, we are to, fucking things up. But it's OK kinda, Computer... Something we'll have to Google. Hey. OK Computer's good. Listeners, just go check out OK Computer. It's yeah. a fucking... It's a winner. Yeah, it is a winner. <laughs> Huge winner. <laughs> what um, else? So, and did, like, was your dad being like, hmm, good choice, daughter? Or like... Surprisingly, no. So, my dad is super into pop music. Yeah. Mind you, he's... He's like, none of that sad Radiohead shit. Hu- nah, fuck that. He's a huge fan of the Beatles, Joni Mitchell, um, oh, Pink Floyd. He's yeah. just kind of a classic man, uh-huh. which is fine. I mean, he's in commercial music. Of course, he's going to be into the stuff that, you know, is four chords and that's easy to listen to and easy to write because that's sure. his job. Yeah. Um, but once you start getting all fucking cerebral with Radiohead... Once you get bit- weird, you get fucking weird. Like, Bars. Bars is one of my favourite artists and he's from the US uh, his music is also incredibly textured but every one of his albums is representative of uh, um, a period in his life um, and some shit he was going through um, and I recently got a tattoo that like um, represents an album his my favourite album of his um, a specific song of his that resonated with me as soon as it came out I felt like I was almost going through the same thing Wow! so when I Oh, this is going to sound real fucking cheesy. But when I listen to music, I feel like I have to kind tattoo of... Tattoo it on you? Tattoo it on me in a way. Like it has to mean that much that I want to get it fucking permanently on my body. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a tense commitment. Yeah, it's but, such a huge commitment. But obviously that only comes at certain albums, right? Like, you know, just listen to everything yeah. and be like, shit, I yeah. tattoo no, this on me. I'm not going to get my whole fucking <laughs> Discover Weekly on Spotify <laughs> tattooed on me. Even though usually Spotify gets it bang on. It's scary how much it knows. It's good, right? Yeah. Really good. Because that's how I find all my new music Mm -hmm. from like radio or, yeah, that's like, oh, you'll probably like this. It's like, fuck, how did you know? Setek or Setek, I can't, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Some Melbourne dude, very inspired by Baths and Joni Mitchell. Was it Joni Mitchell? I can't remember. But it's fucking incredible. This incredible album that he just created in like 2016. Uh-huh. And I was like, this is an amazing piece of art. And Why aren't more people listening to and it? Because and Spotify gave it to me. Yeah. Like you, thank you. Thank you, so Spotify. Much. Thank you. For this gift. It's so great. So again, <laughs> go and listen. Fantastic. Good piece of work. Mm-hmm. Um, what else? Pup. Pup's a classic. Yep. Love them. I didn't get into the third album because the second Lord album stuff. was... The, the second I heard the third one was real good the second one was a bit too emo for me in that like wah wah tour sucks it's like fuck off you're on tour like yeah oh if this tour doesn't kill you I will that's yeah it's a good I, song though it's, look I really like the first album I yeah. thought that was a breath of fresh air and I think the second album was a little bit too sadsy like it's, where, little, it's just really fucking angry like there's a, I guess whoever yeah. was writing those songs was 
very mad at someone. <laughs> really mad. Fucking, I think the other members of the band because of Tua <laughs> from what it sounds like in those fucking lyrics. You don't need Correct. a genius Just to go feel. home, guys. Go home. Cancel it. We'll understand. Walk away. <laughs> it's obviously not working out for you. All right. Yeah. So yeah, pop, that's another good one. Pop, what else? Um, I don't want to fucking sweat you though. Like uh, you've already you've already given us a wealth, you know, for people to check I out. McCafferty. What's McCafferty? <gasps> oh, Dead Bird. Good, good album. The album's called Dead Bird. Yeah. It's not a McCall. No, is the album's it? called Album's called Beach Boy. What's Dead song. Bird? It's a song. Oh, okay. It's a good song. Check out Dead Bird. Check out Dead Bird. <laughs> McCafferty. Good. Uh, Alicia Joy. Oh, she's. Fr- I'm just. I think she's my head. from Melbourne too. She's like a wow. soul kind of artist. Um, she reminds me a lot of Napalm. Who was from Yeah, from Hiatus Coyote. Coyote. Yeah. yeah. Another one of my favorite bands. Mm. Um Cousin Tony's wild... Brand New Firebird. Oh, Cousin Tony's Brand New Firebird. Tight band. You were talking about them eight months ago. Yeah. And I was a bad boy because I didn't listen to them. <laughs> and now they're playing at Lockhart Fest, mm-hmm. which I'm very excited. We're all going. It's gonna be great. And they're playing, and I checked out the music and it blew me away. I was it's like, amazing. The new hell. song Joy makes my heart hurt. Yeah. It is a beautiful song. They're on to, oh, I'll try and They're use, on to something good. You, you got some connections there? Can I, can I? Oh, we'll fucking figure something we'll, out. We'll, we'll sort it out. We'll, we'll reach out to out. Cousin Tony and their Firebird. And Cousin Toto. Because <laughs> <laughs> I would love to talk to them about that yeah. music. It's great. Cool. So you're obviously on to some good things here. And I'd like to think so. I'd from, like to think that my music taste is kind of broad. Or maybe, from those I guess. years of studying music and mm. being around the industry, you all know. Those years. Fantastic. And you threw it all the way to I help some <laughs> to help some kawadis. <laughs> it's a lost cause, really. <laughs> They're all gonna die anyway when we're we all gonna fucking die. May as well listen to some good music while we're at it. <laughs> if that isn't a fantastic note to end on, Amy, I don't know what is. So thank you so much for being a part of the show. Thank you. Uh, come back anytime. I will. And uh, we'll talk more about existential dread. We will. Memes. Have gin on the side. And so have some gin. Yeah. Yeah, that sounds great. Some good Tassie gin. Thank you so much yeah, for coming thank on. Thank you. All right, we're back. We're doing post-ramble now. Now, listeners, I don't know if you know, but I did a post-ramble for the first ever episode with Matt. Um, there was kind of a post-ramble with Sean because he was already there and we had a bit of a break. But it was something I kind of want to make happen. But then I thought, fuck, why not do it by myself? That's boring and lonesome. So I'm just going to do it with Amy Rose. She's back. Hello. <laughs> we're just, we're just going to now have a chill. The door's open now. Mm-hmm. We're having a beer. It's a lot more chill. How do you feel about your podcast experience that just happened? I feel good about it. I feel like I could have talked for so much longer. Like it did not feel like an hour. No. And it's fun just like having a conversation with a mate, but recording it. Yes. And actually talking constantly. Were you worried? Was that something that you were worried that yeah, like, super worried. what if this? I was like, I just don't feel interested enough. Oh like, no. Why do I, why, what should, what should I say? I wouldn't have put you, you know? on, I wouldn't have asked you to come on this podcast if I didn't think you were interesting enough. Or at the same token, I think everyone has something interesting to say. True. That's not to say, listeners, if your hopes and dreams is to come on, fuck you, Tara Lady, the podcast, you can come on. We'll make that happen for you, you know. But everyone's got something interesting to talk about. It just so True. happens that, A, fuck, you've got an awesome gig that you, fantastic talk about and then that John Farnham thing you dropped on before dinner yeah, fuck sick. so thank you that'll if anyone who was listening was like fuck I'm sick of these animals and what Johnny Farnham oh okay I'm in hey, so, just, that, icon. just that little hook just to get him in <laughs> maybe I'll mention it at the start maybe I'll put on the Instagram post hey there's if you if you're bored just hang around because there's hashtag stories conservation of hashtag John Farnham yes <laughs> fuck anyway so <laughs> What's your interesting thing though? Like if someone got you on a podcast and was like, yo, tell me, tell me your thing. Well, my thing. I guess. 
Well, look at Thailand. Take away this. Take away fuck you, Tara Lady. Um, well, you know, that's you know, thanks for asking. You know, they're always the podcast and never the podcast eat, you yeah. know? <laughs> <laughs> um, look, I um that's an interesting point. Um, uh, I've lived a pretty interesting life. I've had mm. lots of weird jobs. I've uh, I've always been pretty enthusiastic about the things I'm currently doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the past, it's been uh film stuff, so I did oh. a lot of film work back in the day i've worked with different people working on music videos and short films and went to film school for a year and then dropped out before i realized fuck that shit i'm better than that i need to go to film school quentin tarantino never went to film school look at him and then like a year after that you're like fuck i should have stayed in film school um but uh so i'd probably talk about that i reckon yeah um i got a lot of stories i got a lot of shows you know i feel like but that's where the good shit happens though i feel like yes well (laughs) I once saw a meme. You're talking about... (laughs) No, it is. Uh, You're talking about Pup before in the podcast. I I think the analog to Pup or the less sad version of that is Fiddler. (laughs) Like, (laughs) Fiddler's more like... Like, Pup is like depressed... But Fiddler's more like, nah, fuck it, let's just get wasted. It's like, yeah, like that. I can can get down with that. that. So Fiddler once posted a meme on Instagram and it was like, you know, my friends, oh, we've just all finished, you know, our college and getting married, having babies. What have you been up to? And it's just a picture of a dude crowd surfing. And I was like, nothing had epitomized my mid-20s than that fucking meme. Because, like, everyone was doing stuff. Like this. Yeah. And then and I was just like, wow, fuck, dude. I went to this sick gig last weekend. You did stage dive too. It was great. Yes. Oh, my God. You know what? Fuck. You've opened a door, Amy, that... Um, one of the parts of the show I want to have I want to have people talk about and it was going to be a post-ramble thing so we're mm-hmm. already fucking kicking goals here Brilliant. synergy is gig stories okay like <laughs> and I want to even if the post-ramble doesn't involve the guest of that episode we get someone random to just record a segment and throw it in at the end yeah I want to hear gig stories right because yeah. there's nothing more magical than sharing a gig story and then someone being like oh my god yeah I was there or I've seen that or something like, you know, so is there any kind of anything that stands out for you? Like special gigs, special moments at any gigs, special moments at any gigs. Yeah. Um, I'm putting you on the spot here. I know. Putting me really on the spot. We can continue and then you can just come up with something later. I think there's not been like a particular, like really funny moment or, you know, I was super injured because I did this dumb fucking thing because I was super wasted. (laughs) None of that's ever happened. No, that's totally I've been able to like see people that I love, which is fucking great in itself. Ooh, yeah. Um, Do you have like in your head, is there some kind of top five that floats around of like your favorite bands? uh, That I want to see. No, or yeah, or that you have seen. You're like, tick that off the bucket list. Eight bucks at the corner hotel. (laughs) I was like, fuck you. Are you serious? Yeah. I dragged my friends along. I was like, I'll buy your ticket. It's $8. Yeah. And it was one of the most incredible shows I've ever seen. Isn't that just one of the most special things ever when you can yes. just buy tickets to a show because they're cheap? Yes. Okay. So I lived in Holland for a year. Yes. And I lived in this tiny little town called Nijmegen. There's not many people that live Say there. Say that again, sorry. Oh, good pronunciation. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> um, and there's a bar there called Merlin. And I think six Aussie bands played there. All of the shows were like three Euros. Sometimes me and my Sydney friends were the only people that were there. Wow. Like Methyl Ethel played there, saw them for five Euros. Wow. Empty fucking, empty room. Holy Holy, same deal. Um, Hiatus Coyote, same deal. Wow. I can't remember who the others were, but it was just, that was really, really special because I was in this tiny shit like dive bar mm. in a back band room mm. with hardly anyone in the crowd these bands playing their new shit, not really 
caring about what they're playing because there's no one in the crowd except us. Yeah. Um, and all of those gigs are always going to be really special to me because I'm on the other side of the world, feeling very far away from home, very displaced. Um, but then all these bands that I already love fucking coming to this weird student town. I just didn't really understand that part. There must have been a crazy booker who was just like... Yeah, go to this town. <laughs> there are heaps of Australians living there at the moment. You'll get fuckloads <laughs> of money. They'll buy all the merch, don't worry. What were you doing there over in... Studying, it was exchange. So it was like, was this particularly like... What kind of animals I have there? Excuse oh, it me. wasn't. It was more um, the fact was that... Was this I music just, or was this when you were studying zoo nah, stuff? No, this was zoo stuff. Yeah. Um, but I was... It was the second year or third year of my study and I had saved up all my electives and was like I'm just going to go overseas and do them all so I did shit like Dutch culture um, vulgar politics English literature what's vulgar politics oh fuck that was a good subject it's basically talking about like the vulgarity in um, the politics around the world and this was at the same time that the plebiscite was happening here for gay marriage whoa and I told people that in my classroom and I was the only Australian in the class and they were like haha like funny story I was like no it's really fucking happening they're like hold on it's illegal and I was like yeah (laughs) so guys we're really fucking far behind back there there's a reason why I'm here (laughs) I've got a little (laughs) you are progressive there's a little bit of a yes sticker just hiding behind this Mm. thing like the Mm -hmm. fact that the fact that we had to (laughs) to have a campaign wow that's so, that we're just going to be looked at so funnily in the future yeah. of being like, oh, really? Laughed at. Like, in- really? <laughs> really? Sorry, guys. I'm half Australian. <laughs> yeah. That's fun. Apologies. Apologies. <laughs> so gig stories. That was so, really special. So gigs over there. Fun. Yeah. Fantastic. So, so amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, apart oh, from phone, that. Phone's buzzing. Are you okay? What's buzzing. happening? I'm fine. This, this is off podcast. You're not being unprofessional at this point. I'm, okay, we're drinking good. beers while this is happening. So this it's, is you just... Check um, it. You know, group messages that I haven't muted yet. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately. Um, Another thing, like, what about podcasts? Are you listening to podcasts while you're at work? Nah. I'm a music person. You're a music person? Yeah. You're going to have to listen to your own podcast, though, right? I am. I absolutely will. Make sure you don't. If you need to amend anything from... What if I get something wrong? What if that fucking lioness thing is wrong? Oh, look, you know what? You can address this stuff now. Straight up for the listeners. If you got some stuff wrong, fuck it. We all say wrong stuff. True. Before this... (laughs) On the old podcast with Matt and I, like we would say wrong shit every week. (laughs) It's just so hard. You're in the fucking throes of it. constantly be right. I'm wearing headphones right now. I'm too busy worrying about my own voice in the headphones than worrying about the conversation sometimes. It's a... Yeah, it's a hard... Mm. That's what you talk about. I don't like recording because I can just hear myself. Mm. Do we do we talk about you singing in in the song in the, in the song in the actual podcast or not? We didn't talk about no, that. No, we didn't talk about that. So in your dad's studio, you recorded mm. a song. You sang. I did. So he wrote a song for Universal. Uh-huh. He retired and was like, "Okay, cool. What am I going to do now?" Um, Universal contacted him and said, "We know that you can master really well. We know you can write songs really well. Here's a time frame. Here's what we think is going to be good in the catalog." So he wrote an album for them, which is essentially, I guess, demos. And if they choose to use the instruments or the vocalists that he uses in the album, um, then maybe I'll be on a movie one day. Sick. Yeah. Or so, a cool ad, like a Jeep ad. I was just about to say a car ad for yeah. sure, man. Those are the ones you want. Um, one, <laughs> Alpine are one of the bands headlining at Lockhart mm. Music mm-hmm. Festival. And one of my friends was like, 
who are Alpine? I'm like, oh, you'd know them from the song they have in the superannuation ad. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> or, like, Confidence Man being in the, the Ikea ad. Yeah, like, I didn't realise that Confidence Man was in the Ikea ad, and I was playing Confidence Man, re- well, this year. And someone said, oh, is that that band like, from... It's a song from the Ikea ad. I was yeah. like, fuck. It's a fucking good ad, though. Is it? Yeah, I All think right, it's like I'll... a bunch of... I think, if I can remember correctly, correct me if I'm wrong, listeners, because it's a podcast, I'm going to probably get it wrong, because yeah. I can't Google it. It's like... the objects in the room kind of come to life inanimate objects and they're all kind of dancing around to the confidence man song it's like yeah sweet kind of like um what was that tv show as a kid and there was that weird organ thing that yellow organ lady oh my god johnson and friends Friends. yeah like johnson and friends yeah so essentially someone now needs to i'll do it myself i'll get some johnson and friends footage i'll cut up confidence man bubble gum and then i'll put it on youtube this is, oh fuck listeners because I've just put, I've set myself down my own rabbit hole mm. if you could YouTube uh, Teletubbies I think you freaky and I like it a lot Diane no. have you seen that mashup before nah oh my god I'll send it to you after this Please podcast do. listeners pause right now and go watch it it's the greatest thing ever <laughs> there's, there's something magical about like taking shit from your youth and just like fucking it up there with is. confidence man it'd be cute because it's fun but like it's Diane when it's like oh no there's something gone wrong <laughs> <laughs> like it's like when you add DeAntwood to Teletubbies, it starts to make you realize like Teletubbies okay, was fucked up. Fucked. Teletubbies was so fucked up. Fucking weird, dude. Really fucking weird. And they picked the weirdest, best bits to mush with the <laughs> DeAntwood. <laughs> <laughs> fucking awesome. All right, so tell. So you sang. So you sang in your dad's studio. He. So what was it like to be directed by your dad behind the weird, desk? Weird, really weird. And I remember being like twelve and thirteen, thinking, you know. I, he's going to be my fucking songwriter one day. He's going to be the person that manages my album. He's going to be the person that mm. makes me into a fucking rock star. Yeah, nepotism, sweet, hey. So good, <laughs> so good. And then suddenly he's sitting there telling me what to do. I'm like, oh, this is weird. This change in power is weird. Um, <laughs> but it was fine because he had the lyrics there. He had the melody there. So it was actually a really nice experience because it was the first time I'd ever done anything like that with him. Mm. I'd never recorded with him before. I'd, ne- I'd been in the studio with him, but it was never me as the artist. It was just me as a kid. Were you was... nervous as fuck? Nah, I don't think so. I'm more nervous if I have to like get up and sing live because I can't delete that. Oh, that's there. speaking of which, that's another thing I was supposed to talk about. You're going to sing for the elephants at the zoo. Is that correct? Correct. I don't know when and I don't know what. If anyone has any hot tips... Can you like leave a comment? I need a song can you, to sing. Can you get on that Facebook group with hundreds of people and be like, what's the best what the song fuck? to sing what to elephants? What song should I sing? I want to sing like Lilac Wine. That's a good one, uh-huh. right? What, Everyone knows that. What, yeah, I was going to say, what's, what do you think is the, is the prerequisite to sing for a, like, an elephant? Um, babe, I'm going to leave you. <laughs> Fucking throw some Zeppelin in there at them. <laughs> because they're going to Werribee. Right. So I almost want to sing them a goodbye song. Oh. Mind you, they're not going for like five years, but still... It could be a moment. Are they wait? So what? Do you do they go from Melbourne Zoo to Werribee? They will be moving there, so they're going to have way more space. They're going to have space. They're going to go out on the range. Yeah. How do you transport an elephant from Melbourne to Werribee? Like truck. What kind of truck? Big one. Yeah. Police escort though, which is fucking sick. Police escort. Yeah. Will you be out? Like, will it be like a traveling circus? And will you see like an elephant? uh, What are they? What's a tentacle? What's it called? Trunk. Trunk. (laughs) Tentacle. You know. Yeah, that thing. Now I'm getting full Bob Fossil. <laughs> you know the thing with the long, the long nose. Um, will that? Will the long nose be hanging outside of the truck, or will I, it, it be? It shouldn't. Like, is that an H&S a, issue? That's, that's fucking no. <laughs> what if it starts picking up other cars? Oh God, it might. Flipping I'll film shit. it. How strong is an elephant's 
tentacle. Can you? So strong. Can it, it can flip a car? Up, fuck yeah, it can flip a car. Sick. But it also can like pick up a grain of rice with it. Like it's very quite, it's very delicate. It's, mal- it's not malleable. That's the wrong word. It's like, you know. It can it be can, both things. It, it can be both. Okay, I lost us. It's, it's versatile. It is. is that the it's word versatile. You're... That's the word I was looking for. Wow. It but it can flip a fucking car? Yeah. Shit. Google it. It's Fuck. terrifying, especially when there's someone in the car. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we better restrain the trunk. That wouldn't be good for the drive down. It's, no. not, a, it's not a long drive. No. Probably about 30 minutes or something, no. you know. We've transported elephants further than that. Hmm? On guard went to fucking California. How, does it go on a plane? Yeah. Operation Dumbo Drop. That's another one of those fucking Ooh, movies, oh dude. Oh my god. Fuck. Uh, that was a. It was a thing. Nineties was, was the it time. Was a thing. Animals. Fuck, I'm gonna have to go back and watch Napoleon. Yeah. That's gonna sit with me for a while. It's <laughs> <laughs> just. I'm, I. Th- Fuck. I think we've watched just that one scene on YouTube where it's he meets the lizard on the road and he's just like. <laughs> And he's just like eh! yelling at it. <laughs> so Australian, <laughs> fantastic, um, so cool. All right, well we've just come back around full circle and it feels mm. good. How do you yeah. feel about the post ramble? Was it more the fun than the? No, they were both fun. They're both fun. Yeah. Right. I think this is going to be a thing. I'm going to start doing. I think it should be a fucking good. It's a it, good thing. So because people are like in the zone, people are like you know chatty. Yeah. So I, then you get them while they're chatty. Also, I think as well, I don't know about you when it comes to podcasts, but I certainly don't stop them ever. They just end. So mm-hmm. like if I'm like, because I'll be cutting carrots or something, you yeah. know, and then you're stuck. You're yeah. stuck listening to this bit. And then, you yeah. know, I think it's just like a fun little, this is a bonus. It's just it a is. bonus nice thing. Bonus. Like you're a chump if you, if, if you heard a little bit of intro music and then you thought that's the end, I'm going to stop. You wouldn't have got this whole little delicious... Uh, 15 minutes of, of podcast crap. Fucking ramble. Yeah, it's a post ramble. Shit. It's called the post ramble. Yeah. I've coined it. It's, uh, I'm going to make t shirts to say you it. You should. Yeah. I'll wear it. Yeah. Say, Probably. I want to be in your post ramble. Mm. <gasps> yeah, that's yeah. nice. Yeah. yeah. It's really wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Before we go, the, the card. How do the you card. feel about the card? Like, do you feel like. That was a good. fun thing. You took, you took some cool stuff from that. Yeah. You I know, mean, the trajectory of my life is now, you know more concrete mm. because the card has told me so which i'm not being i'm not making fun of that at all because as a child i believed that i was a witch i got my first deck of tarot cards when i was 10 Ooh. like i fucking love this shit oh i was super into paganism until i was like 19 and i still in i still I was like, like what was the cutoff point when you turned 20 it's like nah no more paganism nah, fuck this no, no but weird ouija boards and shit that shit will make turn you off any sort of magic did you get into some weird ouija board shit yeah what happened oh like we contacted someone's my friend's dad who passed away um that ended in so many tears we contacted uh like bad spirits don't you have um, to have like a trap of fucking, don't you have a glass on the table or something? Yeah, that traps... you have like a glass that traps the spirit. You have to have an offering. So we had bread. Um, what kind of bread? To... Was it good bread? No, I think it was just like shit wonder why. Fucking wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly <laughs> what my one went as well. That's yeah, great. It's, fucking, it's not real bread. No. <laughs> but it's so good with butter and Vegemite. Um, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm a butter peanut butter guy on some white bread. Yeah, like. Uh, yes. Mm, yeah. That's that's definitely. A... Heavy, sweet and salty. It's good. <laughs> It's really but good. On the Wonder Why though, it's pretty. Or like, let's 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 dial it back. You know, it doesn't have to be Wonder Why, but like a Brumbies or a Baker's Lot, like fresh loaf. Yeah. Bit of butter and peanut butter. It's Gee. real good. 
Yeah, amazing. Yeah. Okay, so you could offer that up. You should put some fucking butter on the bread for, for the Ouija board. Yeah, maybe. Then we won't get some so many fucking weird demons. Yeah, dude's getting pissed off. You're just giving us some fucking Wonder Woman. <laughs> Stale Wonder White too. Fuck this! Saving the good shit for the people that are alive. I'm going to haunt the fuck out of you guys now. <laughs> it happened. Hmm? It's terrifying. Yeah, that's just scary. So is this when you were like, right, no more paganism? Kind of. So I'm going to focus on science. I was like super... <laughs> Focus on shit that's real, evidence based. <laughs> when I was young, my mum warned me about it because she had, she did a Ouija board and she got a poltergeist in her house. No so she shit. Was like, Fuck, we have to like move, and it was real terrifying. Like chairs would move when they walked into how into the room, glasses would just fall off shelves. Really? Yeah. So how? This is when your mum was younger. This is when my mum was younger. So she's yeah. just. This is just. You haven't seen any of this. This is all hearsay no, from. I haven't your seen any poltergeist activity, but I've been in like communication with ghosts like they're in my house I was I lived in a haunted house as a kid I, my bedroom was in an attic um, <laughs> it was sick it was Shit. super fucking random. I thought this podcast was going to end but it just <laughs> keeps going it's like look this is like Return of the King like we're just going to hit new levels of shit where it's like well no 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 I'm yeah. explore this for a minute yeah <laughs> it, it, you lived in an attic yeah a haunted attic. attic a haunted attic so there was like there was a uh, a woman there um, then my best friend's house had a 16 year old male and another a mum that was really intense because they got like an exorcist in to try and communicate with these ghosts hold up where do you contact an exorcist how do you get on tour <laughs> in Melbourne no fucking idea no idea. her mum did it and Whoa. we just like rocked up home one day because I basically lived there and there was this weird man dressed in all black being like that talking to my friend's mum being like these are the things that you need to do these are the um, these are the things that are living in your house. One of them was a woman who was trying to take my friend as her daughter because her own daughter died. Whoa! Fuck, what? Right? Like she would wake up in the middle of the night sweating, like feeling people touching her, and her mum was like, "Try and calm down." Um, another one was the sixteen-year-old boy used to like perv on us, so we'd be in the shower or on the toilet, and he would like open the door. And you know how what? when you turn a door handle and like the latch goes in and if you let it go, the latch comes out. But if you hold it there, the latch stays in. Yeah. Yeah. So it was like held there. So the latch stayed in. So it was like someone was holding the door open. It was fucked. Fuck. And we were like, crazy. nah, bitch, go away. <laughs> <laughs> None of that. I'm like 11. That's weird. Fuck um, me. Yeah. I've always been interested in it. All right. I've Googled Exorcist Melbourne. Turns out you can... Really? It's a thing. Yeah. I wonder if you can like study to do it or if you just... Oh, one of them is a Vice article, so I would take that with a fucking huge grain of salt. Oh, yeah. Oh, we talked to this exorcist <laughs> and, um, you know, it was like pretty whack. Hey, hey, have you ever thought about getting a mortgage? Because we're <laughs> sponsored by some banks. <laughs> you say because we want to buy some nangs? <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you guys like nangs? Well, nangs are sick, but have you ever like thought about changing banks? Because... <laughs> Changing banks. That's, That's what yeah, I'm confused with. Banks, yeah. Nangs, <laughs> banks. It's all the stuff that Vice covers pretty much. Correct, yeah. We followed this guy. Anyway, that's enough. <laughs> that's enough of my Vice voice. It's also my pedestrian voice. It's also my tone deaf voice. Oh, oh tone deaf's a bit more like this though. <laughs> yes. You're good at that. Huh? You're I know. I um Maybe I could start a <laughs> podcast for those dudes. Yes. The conversation between the two. <laughs> 
Yes. Oh, you mean I should just old old yeah. alternate? Yeah. yeah, one day old. <laughs> yeah, pedestrian talking device. Yeah. I Sometimes think... Batuta comes in. Fuck. Oh, I... only on Sundays. I love Batuta. Batuta's usually like quite hungover though. <laughs> like that shit's fucked. <laughs> Batuta is like, uh, a f- it's like how it's sad because where I get a lot of my news from because Batuta <laughs> posts something and they're mentioning some fucked up thing that Izzy Folau did or something. I'm like, yeah. who's this? Guy and what the fuck and is going on? And you have to, you have to come learn it. You have to go. Oh, he's a fuckhead. Oh, yeah. right, cool. Okay, now yeah. I get the joke. That's yeah, fun. And you. I'm glad that Batuta mm-hmm. is so current with their jokes. They're very it, current. That yeah. it's like they should just have a news <laughs> section as well. <laughs> Hard hitting journalism. <laughs> there's a there's a subreddit my uh, my friend Bo got me onto recently. It's called uh, Ate the Onion. So it's like oh, when God, people post onion. onion articles and then people underneath go, "This is." Horrible! I can't believe they're actually doing this. And it's like, oh, no, you don't understand. This isn't news. It's like Nuffies of Australian Politics. It's the same fucking thing. Well, is, that, is that a thing? It's a Facebook page, Nuffies of Australian Politics. Amazing. And it's just screenshots of idiot comments on very obviously sarcastic news posts. <laughs> and it's fucking brilliant. Hours of entertainment yeah. on Nuffies. Great. Yeah, it's good. But it needs to be an Instagram page. I don't go on Facebook no, enough. No, it does. It might be. I haven't actually looked it up. Okay. We'll Look, Google it. We'll, you sent me a link if it's a thing. I will. I'll put it up on the I'll put it up on the fucky tarot lady Instagram. Yes. <laughs> Shout out. Awesome. Alright, well I think we'll probably end it now. For real end. Enough rambles. People are like, fucking hell. Beer's I'm, done. I'm done with this. I'm done cutting my carrots, you know? <laughs> I wanna go. All right, here's the post ramble for. <laughs> All right, here's the post ramble for Amy Rose Fraser. Now, I know we already did a post ramble with Amy. That was fun. Just think of that as an extra bit of the podcast. I know there was a couple of times it almost ended. I don't know if you're one of those people who listen to podcasts and get annoyed when that happens. I certainly do sometimes. They're like, we should wrap this up. And then it goes another 30 minutes. Like, what the fuck? You lied to me. Whatever. Just get over it. It's fun. Hopefully you enjoyed the whole conversation. You can check out at any time, really. You could check out for this post-ramble too. I don't expect everyone to stick around. But um, I got some lovely words from my friend Mal. Thanks for listening to the last post-ramble and really enjoying that. It gave me enough motivation to think, fuck, I can I can get alone in a room again and just talk some shit into a microphone. Because if Mal enjoyed it, hopefully more than one person does. If not, I appreciate one person liking it. Um, I also think it's really cool to give a little bit of context for the episode too. Um, so that's what I intend to do in this post ramble. So, uh, as we discussed in the podcast, I met Amy Rose, uh, on a hike New Year's Eve last year. Um, she was a mutual friend of, uh, my friends, Georgie and Pete. Hi, Georgie and Pete. If you got this far, thank you for introducing us. Um, we were doing a couple of day hike through Wilson's prom leading up to New Year's and Georgie, Pete and Amy met us the night of New Year's and they just roll in fresh faced. Um, I'd never met Amy before and she's like got glass alcoholic kombucha bottles, you know, like it was just this most uh, luxurious thing to have when you're hiking, you know, glass bottles of booze, you know, we were like rationing whiskey in a little hip flask. Anyway, so we got to talking that night and it was really good. And, uh, the next morning we ended up hiking, uh, next to each other or like when you hike, I guess you hike in single file. I don't know why that happens. It just kind of happens. It's like ants, but, um, 
we all ended up walking like that and Amy was behind me and we ended up chatting and it was great. We talked about a, a whole bunch of stuff, music and life and travel. And um, I think at this stage, the podcast was in its infancy. Like I was starting to kind of come up with the idea and what I wanted to do and how I wanted it to, to be. And um, it was really great. I said, oh, if I ever start this thing, you know, I'll, um, I'll get you on. Uh, only a brisk eight months later, we finally made that happen for episode five. So... You know, uh, that was excellent. And I'm glad that finally happened. Um, I was also really excited to have Amy on early in the show because I think I myself and listeners were like, is this show going to just be you retreading previous Keith Solomon guests uh, by yourself? Because that's a pretty easy thing to do. And it is, trust me, I've done it a lot already. <laughs> and I intend to keep putting on Keith Solomon guests because most of the Keith Solomon guests are just my friends. And I want to talk to my friends. It's an easy conversation. And most of my friends are really interesting. So I don't think it's ever going to be a bad thing. But Amy was a great one to like kind of smash out early because it's not necessarily about music. I had no idea her dad worked with John Farnham until minutes before we started the podcast. Um, I wanted the conversation to be mostly about conservation and zoos and animals and things like that. Because I find that really interesting. And I hope that you guys really did too. If you were turned off by, why isn't there being talk about bands yet? Um... I don't think that's what my fans sound like. I don't think you guys sound like that at all. But there's a an expectation. There's a there's a feeling like maybe I should only talk about band life or musicians or whatever. But know that I'm going to kind of start... Johnny Galvatron's a good one. I mean, he is a band dude. Or he was a band dude. But now he's a video game dude. Now I've got a, you know, a conservationist zoo dudette. And then, you know, we're going to have other things going on. So um, I'd like to kind of branch out a little bit and keep it a bit more interesting, make it a bit more broad, um, but all the while grounding it with my ridiculous enthusiasm for whatever it is that we're talking about. Yeah, cool. I hope you guys really dug this one. And there'll be a super musicy one next week. So <laughs> you'll be fine. You'll be fine. There's always going to come back to music. I have too many friends that are musos and that are too interesting to not talk to them. So every once in a while, we'll just kind of mix it up. So anyway, thanks again for listening, everyone. I really appreciate it. And uh, yeah, hit me up on Instagram at fuck you, Tara Lady. Cheers. <laughs>